0: Cancel's down, because it's time for the Star Seminar. And now, here are your hosts, Rabble Rouser and Danny Phantom.
1: Welcome, students, to the first day of class. I am one of your professors who will be teaching this class. I'm Dr. Rabble Rouser, and with me is the illustrious Dr. Danny Phantom. Dr. Phantom, how are you? Here on the cusp of another semester,
2: you know, doing okay. I, uh, I feel kind of, I'm feeling a little old rabs. Uh, I honestly, uh, I was, I was texting on my phone and I always use the talk to text because to me, that is the way to go. You know, I'm, I'm super fast at it. It's like, you know, it goes as fast as, as I, as I speak, but, but I, I'm getting mocked from my colleagues at work and they're just like looking at me like, why why do you not do the, you know, the like texting like a regular person? And then, and then to me, I'm looking at them like they're the they're the silly ones. It's like, don't you know how fast you can go when you do the talks to text and versus the figure? See, I, I mean, I just don't even use my phone for a lot of things. I mean, I just I because it just it's it's small, you know. And you get older, you know, you you need vision's important. And so I just use my laptop for everything. So my phone's my phone. So, and if it wasn't for for Talk to text I wouldn't even text at all so I don't know I'm not I guess I'm just not as savvy as as those you know whippersnappers but I don't know right, what about you rather are you is there anything that you not so tech savvy about or do you have any sort of like hang-ups when it comes to things like that no I
1: mean i I think I'm I'm pretty tech savvy for my age because uh i've sort of had to stay that way for my my job we 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 do everything online we're doing a lot of tech stuff um but i but i'm with you in terms of texting so i like i don't have fat fingers i have like thin fingers but i can never hit the right letter like i'm i'm misspelling stuff all the time when i text and the only way i can i can text accurately is as you were just saying, to do voice, voice to text. So I do that constantly. Plus I'm always like on the move when I'm texting people. Like if I'm just sitting around, I'm not usually not texting folks. I'm always texting people like when I'm, you know, on the way there or something like that, which means I'm usually in the car or like, you know, walking or something. So I'm I, I'm not going to look down and text. Um, so yeah, no, I'm with you. I'm with you. I, I feel, I feel like uh, there's a, there's a, you know, there's a, there's a, there's a generational divide in being able to text quickly with, with like two thumbs and I'm on the other side of it. Right.
2: Yeah, and I think that's it. If, if I could do it, I would, but I just can't and talking's faster. So, I'm glad you're with me, Rabs, but uh speaking of, you know, with me, who who else is is with us today? What do we got going on today?
1: Oh, that was a finely crafted transition, my
2: friend. Um we are blessed
1: to have a couple gentlemen here to talk about The Cowboys roster cuts, and uh, we'll also talk a little bit about what that, you know, what that means for the season going forward and and what our, you know, what our feelings are about where we're going to, where we're going to head with this year's Cowboys squad. Um, So we're going to be blessed with with Shane Carter, who's a writer for A to Z Dallas, which is a really, really strong group of writers. And then of course, the great Connor Livesay, who writes for Blogging the Boys and is a great um, evaluator of talent. We had him on, you may remember, uh, as a guest lecturer back around draft time to talk about the draft. And so it'll be kind of fun to go full circle here and have him back. Now that uh, all those guys we were talking about are now back uh, and have survived the gauntlet of the offseason ready to start the year. So let's get to it. Shall we? All right, class. I am pleased as punch to uh, invite into our classroom today as guest lecturers, two esteemed professors of Cowboysology and Cowboys lore, the great Shane Carter. And Connor Lightsey, gentlemen, welcome.
3: How y'all doing?
4: Appreciate. I'm glad to be on again with you guys. Last time we did it, it was draft time, and now it's actual football season. So
1: it was almost like we've come full circle, right? We had you on when we were thinking about who they might bring in, and now we've just seen uh, them cut down, and we saw we saw that you know who made it through that gauntlet and has now come out the other side with a nice bright shiny star on their helmet. Yep, you got it. All right, so let's get let's 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 talk about cutdowns. That's that's why I wanted to bring y'all on and talk about cutdowns. Um, I'll, I'll go ahead and ask the first question. Let's just start with the like you know the sort of obvious question: What to you was the most surprising cut? And again, the proviso of we don't know this is finalized yet, but like where we are Thursday night after cutdowns, as of right now, what's the most surprising cut for you?
4: I'll start I mean for me it was Sean McEwen I know he kind of had the you know the injury that slowed him down but um you know there weren't a ton of like just shocking cuts if you're kind of looking at some of the procedural moves that they had made so for me like the most obvious one was Sean McEwen and that's mainly just because I mean from you know February so on it was like Sean McEwen's going to be tight in two Jake Ferguson will work as tight end three and you know, maybe you'll have a pin, uh, Peyton Henderson or, you know, Jeremy Sprinkle work for that tight end four spot. So I felt like he was almost given that tight end two spot, which I didn't totally understand. But most of the time when they kind of, you know, give those younger, unproven guys that nod as you've won the job, you don't really see him cut, you know, even though there was an injury situation there. But we've seen that before where they kind of still give Matt well, let's go, I think, going through it right now where he's injured, but they didn't cut him. They didn't, you know, they're not. They might IR him, but I was kind of surprised maybe they didn't try to do that same thing with McEwen, but they did waive him and got him through waivers, and he's on the practice squad currently, so.
3: Yeah, how I don't how surprised, yeah, I don't know how surprised y'all were really with the cuts, just because it felt like this is one of the more predictable years in terms of like who you think the initial 53 was going to look like. It, uh I mean, I I guess really the most surprising one kind of was Carlos Watkins, but that's only because I thought that John Ridgway didn't really deserve to be on the initial roster, but, you know, the Cowboys love to keep their draft picks. And the the fact they got Carlos Watkins back on the uh, the practice squad is a good sign for him maybe to be signed later on in the year. But, I mean, uh, Connor brought up uh, Sean McEwen, That's that's another one that I actually thought about, but I also uh, considered that maybe they would have started him on the pup list or something like that just because of the way Jake Ferguson – and Peyton played playing the preseason. I thought that maybe they, there was no way they are going to cut either of them, so maybe they would have kept four. So I'm a little surprised they went the practice squad route with that. But I, I, surprising is kind of like a loose term in this one just because I think I – th- I actually think I saw Dan's uh, predicted 53-man roster, and I thought his is actually pretty damn close. And I think that it was – like I said, this is one of the more easy years to predict what the final roster – at least the initial final roster was going to look like.
1: Yeah, I, I, I'll I'll say that I, I I don't want to get too much into this because I want to give Danny an opportunity to weigh in, but I but I would say like I think it, I think if you if you look at people's final roster or you know like they're 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 sort of fifty threes from a month ago, most people have fifty one fifty two out of the fifty three anyway. I mean it it was not uh, a difficult prediction. I mean the only thing that was going to disrupt it was some kind of crazy injury. Obviously we got one late, but. But I, I still don't even
2: know how much that disrupted the roster. Dan, how about you, man? Uh, surprising cut. Yeah. Well, I mean, for me, it's 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 uh, McKeon. I mean, I was I was you know people were talking about it before, and I, I, I saw his name left off a lot of people's predictions, and I was in I was kind of in denial about it, and um, so I'm surprised. I guess part of the issue with that is just because I don't I'm not sure what their plan is. On the Offensive line and I feel like they're gonna need a lot of help from their tight ends and and you saw that you know In the preseason and, and Jake Ferguson was fantastic You know when he'll he'll chip a guy and and then release and then I'm and I'm, I, I feel good about Schultz and, and Ferguson, but I'm not I don't feel good about leaving Hendershot out there so I feel like they still need you know another tight, tight end you know, active they're going to have one and so I don't know, like I don't know how serious they are about um, McKean not being part of this team. If it's just a just something right now, or if it's something that they'll call him if they need him, sort of thing. And just you know, just from the practice squad. I think the 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 thing I was also surprised with is just the amount of people that they release in the sense of like like what they're doing with that quarterback. And I feel like they I feel like they really they're not done because they're going to have to release some people to get to fill these, you know, obviously we need a kicker and, and, and so forth. So I, I'm just still a little bit um, intri- interested in like where, you know, where this is actually going. Cause there's still, there's some, some players that are going to have to be let loose, you know, for the Cowboys to, to fill a team. So I guess that's a, that's a little, so, something else that was surprising to me.
1: I mean, it seems like at the very least, one of the things they did really well was read the league, right? I mean, they, they got a sense of like, no one's going to claim Carlos Watkins, you know? And and I think if we had said that they're going to try to release him and get him on the practice squad, I think a lot of folks, like if we had said that on Twitter someone, uh, we would have got a lot of responses back saying there's no way he makes it through or, you know, that kind of stuff. And I I wonder if the strategy was get the guys onto the practice squad for the first wave that teams are probably not going to want to, to um, try to claim. And then once everybody's practice squad is, is full, then, then you start to like get some of the guys off the roster, like maybe a Dennis Houston or something like that, and try to get him on the practice squad or something like that. Where people are full and they're a lot, they're a lot like more reluctant to try to claim the guy. I, I don't know. I just sort of wonder if there's because, as you, as you said, Danny, they're, they're going to have to, they're going to have to
4: continue to to cut some guys. So um, it, let me ask yeah. you guys: Am I crazy? Tell me if I'm crazy, which I know I am, but um, about this at least, can't they? So with backup quarterback and kicker, can't they keep them on the practice squad and pull them up three times before they have to make a fight? So like the first three weeks they can get away with pretty much two extra, because um, they pull two practice squad players up on game day. So I'm assuming that probably be Cooper Rush or Will Greer and then Brett Meyer. So they can get away with three weeks of two extra roster spots before they have to pull Brett Meyer and then, Cooper Rush up on the full 53 roster for the rest of the season.
1: Yeah, I think that's right. I think I think that they're, I think they just looked at the landscape of their of their roster and said, who can we right. do that with, right? And, yeah, and backup quarterback kicker, absolutely, absolutely. And both those guys, both those guys were game to do it. And
4: not not neither of them is so good that the that league going to line up to try to grab them. Well, and it sounds bad, but like you're you're almost not banking, but like. More than likely, you might have somebody get hurt in those first three weeks. that might have to go to IR. That might not make it back. So you're, you're, I mean, I'm not saying you're hoping that happens, but it's almost like, you know, does, you know, does Calvin Joseph's concussion hang around for four weeks instead of two weeks? And then you just go, hey, we're gonna put the guy on IR, give him another, you know, year to get. I don't know.
2: Mm-hmm. That's just they did I, that I thought, real
4: Yeah, as much as as much as we kill them for not making the smartest decisions at times, I feel like they did construct them the 53 roster this this time to like make some sense and give him a little bit of leeway those first couple of weeks of the season
1: yeah i mean and then if you think about it like if we're talking about let's say the first three weeks of the season connor what who's coming back after probably week three then you've got a right receiver coming back right and so right. then you can then and that that way you can clear a spot off the roster by getting rid of one of your extra receivers who's there while he's while he sits there on the roster you know so i think there's right. i think there's um there's also like you know, there's like little periods in the, in, in the year where the, uh, you, you can see an opening happening and you can kind of time it out a little bit.
3: Sure. I do mm-hmm. wonder, though, I wonder though, like if, if the Jason Peters thing, since that's like the hot button thing in the news right now, if, if that does fall through and they do sign him, like, you know, Dan brought it up. They, like eventually there's going to be times they have to, they have to release somebody, you know, what position, and we can, we'll get to this later on, which, what position has an expendable player attached to it?
1: Well, I think if the, that happens, then you can IR, well, let's go. Yeah. Or something like that. You know, I mean he's got enough of an injury history they can get away with it with the with the players' association. Right? And then if you if you've got someone in that position then just IR the dude, let him develop. Yeah. I think I think they still have some levers they can pull.
2: Yeah, just kinda of wait wait for everything to kind of take care of itself, so to speak, and then uh a lot of these answers maybe, you know, resolve for them and uh you know, to Connor's point and uh, but it it will be interesting to see. Uh one so, you know, we talked about what was most surprising I want to ask you guys what player you are most happiest about that was that made the cut and and the player that you were most disappointed to make the roster so Shane who do you got for your happiest and saddest
3: okay so happiest I've been calling his name for over a year and that's uh, Florida A&M safety Marquise Bell I've been I was a big fan of his really the year before his senior year and that's because I saw him play a little bit at Florida A&M and then when uh, the draft network came out with their top 100 HBC prospects, uh, number two was a guy that I actually met with an uh, NCAA and T running back, Jermaine Martin. Number one was Marquise Bell, who I'd also seen. And he goes into the season, and I'm thinking, I'm sorry, he goes into the draft, uh, the, the the draft cycle, sorry. And I'm thinking, okay, he's, he's got to be like a fourth, maybe fifth round pick. He's he's tall, he's range, he's got pretty good speed. I think he ran a four five three, if I'm not, if I'm not mistaken, forty. And he's got those Dan Quinn traits those long arms, tall, he's big. And they actually had him practicing a little bit at linebacker in OTAs. And he has that J. Ron Curtis sort of uh, flexibility We can play in the box. He can play deep. He can play at the line of scrimmage. We saw him rush the passer. And I, I didn't see him rush the passer at Florida A&M. That's a, that's a fun little tool to add to it. So he's a guy that me and my guy, I think y'all know too, Matthew Lennox, big fan of Marquise Bell. He's, he, was a, he was our guy from the start. He's To me, he's our unofficial seventh-round draft pick.
1: I mean, he he's
3: he's the guy who replaces Curse in
1: twenty four, twenty five somewhere somewhere you know, along in there. I mean, like he's going to take that job. He fits that job perfectly. And you were just talking about how he how he can rush the passer. You know, last year we saw Curse come around the edge a couple of times, and that's a I mean, we so we know that Dan Quinn likes to use the guy who's in that that kind of utility position, uh, to you know provide a little pressure up the backside, and so this guy can do that too. Yeah, I, I, it seems like they just got they've got Curse's replacement lined up and you're going to let him develop for a couple of years. How about,
3: how about the guy you're disappointed to see make the roster? Anybody? It's kind of tough for me to say that just because I really don't like to, I don't like to say that I'm disappointed. Someone made it, got a job, but I mean, I guess. Yeah. I mentioned, you know, I mentioned Ridgeway, but I mean, I, I knew I had a feeling he's going to make the team anyway. I, I talked about with Matt, Owen with Matt Owen of, uh, of the Cowboys, wire and he and he was he was a guy that he and I kind of went back and forth on should they keep him, should they not? Does he deserve it? If they if they let him go, or they keep him in Tristan Hill. And this and it, it was a whole thing like who gets that last defensive tackle spot. But really, I was a little surprised. I'm gonna say surprised, not disappointed, but surprised that Luke Gifford got a spot only because I thought he got outplayed by Devin Harper, and I think that they have guys who can play special teams over Luke Gifford to where he I thought he was more expendable, and I think he's kind of take up a roster spot. Um, but I do know that uh, that he's obviously a John Fossil guy. He, he's John Fossil likes to keep guys on the rush that can play special teams, they can play certain roles, and he's going to be used in those in those ways. I just I just think that you know I'm not I ain't gonna say he's a bad player. I just think that you know what he can do can be easily replaced.
1: And and frankly, might well be, but maybe just not right now. You know,
2: what do you got? Yeah, I like this. I
3: not, I know the concept of it being a disappointment. <laughs> Connor?
4: Um, I mean, as far as guy that I was glad to see make it is guy that I think uh, Shane talked about a little bit. That was Devin Harper, uh, rookie linebacker out of Oklahoma State. I mean, he was a guy that, that I, I liked. I thought he was a draftable player coming out of Oklahoma State. Um, you know, you, you turned on Malcolm Rodriguez fan uh, tape a lot in the offseason because he was the bigger name guy. But Harper always showed up, and I think he showed up in a lot of the ways he showed up in preseason, just the, the speed, the physicality, attacking downhill. Um, I mean, you know, not to not to turn it into a negative statement, but, you know, LVE had a great camp, but some of the stuff we've kind of critiqued LVE on over the last couple of years about not playing with that downhill toughness, physicality, and then just speed, you know, the, the sideline to sideline speed and then the, you know, the knifing downhill speed. It's something that Harper, I thought, showed a good job of this this preseason. And I think what you guys said about Marquise Bell maybe taking over for J. Ron Curse in 2024. You might be looking at Devin Harper, Damone Clark, and Jabril Cox taking over as that linebacker, you know, depth and starter for L V E, you know, Anthony Barr. That might be what your, your linebacker core is going to look really good next year and really young, I think, with Demone Clark, Jabril Cox, Devin Harper, Micah Parsons. And um, if, if this pass rush situation doesn't look as good, you might, start pushing Micah towards more of that full-time edge role and then have, you know, two dominant edge rushers and Demarcus Lawrence and Micah Parsons and then have just a really good young and high ceiling, fast, physical, you know, co- being able to cover. They kind of do all the things that you want in the modern-day linebacker really well. So Devin Harper would be my, I was, was glad to see him because I thought him and Luke Gifford might be battling out for that last linebacker spot. and They ended up keeping both of them.
1: That's a Dan Quinn linebacker room, isn't it?
4: Yeah. We, we talk about the Deion Joneses of the world, a little yeah. bit smaller. Yeah, Damon so Clark. Clark. Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm-hmm. So, um, I mean, as far – I mean, as far as, like you said, disappointed, I, you know, Dan, you might fight me on this I saw some tweets from you the other day, but just I don't think Josh Ball's done anything to earn a roster spot other than being drafted relatively high last year. I mean, I thought he was – I thought he was at times the worst offensive lineman all preseason, Um, even in the third, fourth quarter. I mean, he just – he played a lot of snaps, so maybe it was a getting tired, getting worn down type of thing. But, I mean, we saw Matt Maletsko play in a preseason game the other day, not practicing at all with an injured shoulder, and I thought he looked significantly better, more prepared, um, stronger at the point of attack, a little bit more athletic, and then just more technically sound. Um, So maybe we can chalk it up to just not being used to the amount of reps he's gotten. But I mean, I think you look at even a guy like Avante Collins. I thought he played better than him this preseason. And I'm not saying he was good by any means, but it just I think we we get back to looking at draft status and round you were drafted over. Can you play? You know, <laughs> better than the guy that might have gotten him drafted? Are you a UDFA? And we 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 can't say that a ton because they kept a lot of UDFAs this season. Marquis Bell's a guy UDFA. He made the roster good to see, but just feel like. To put it in a different term, there's somebody on the street right now who I feel like is a better offensive tackle, whether that's Jason Peters or another guy who's a better swing tackle than Josh Ball. But I feel like they're kind of holding on hope and grasping onto his draft stock and going, "Let's let's give them time." And uh, sometimes you just gotta you gotta get better and move on sooner rather than later.
2: Yeah, you know, I don't uh I don't disagree with I have I mean I I guess I. Guess I'd... I'd view it differently with as far as Avante Collins. I did. I wasn't impressed with him at all. And oh, I, w-
4: I wasn't impressed with him. By the way, I just thought when you compared the two, I thought maybe he was a step ahead. But neither one ever good in my mind. It's <laughs> a mark—a mark of how unimpressed you were with him. Right. Right.
2: Right. Yeah. I, uh, Shows the depth. I, did, did anybody have a chance to look at balls reps against Seattle on the right side?
4: They were a lot better than the left side. Looked better. They were kind man. of like we just said. Like I still wasn't impressed with them, but. It was kind of like the. I mean, I can't even say the Connor McGovern thing because I think Connor McGovern. You know, last year Connor McGovern's looked good this year. I think that's something that's not being talked about enough. Is that even at left guard he's been pretty damn good. Um, so I don't know. It's one of those things where you put a guy on the left side, you put him on the right side. He's better on one side than the other. But I just.
3: Like Terrence Steele.
4: Yeah, that's probably a closer example, more so than Connor McGovern, because I think that his is drastic you know, he's really good on the right side and terrible on the left side.
2: <laughs> yeah, and I, I try not to be too critical of Ball because they are playing on him on the left side and he's better on the right side, and it's it's almost like this is the Cowboys doing and not, not really his, and I I think, I mean, he hasn't been good, you're right, but it, to me, why, I mean, Ball is never a consideration for a cut, in my opinion, just because of the lack of other options they have. It's just been so so bad, and um, so, I I mean... We'll have to see. I mean, I was impressed with Go. I, I, I feel good about you know him like just right out of the gate, already uh, playing really well. Um, but one name I'm really surprised. At, first off, I'm, I'm I, I agree with you about Devin Harper, and and he's also he would be my uh, pleased pick too. And also just because I predicted all six of those guys, and I like I like it when you know a prediction comes true. So, uh, but yeah, he and and just you could throw him and same with uh, Deron Bland. Not that he was ever in, in doubt. But it's just nice to see guys that I, when they were drafted, I'm like, what, what, what's going on? Uh, who are they And then all of a sudden, you know, and you can see how, you know, they, how, how they progressed and you, what, what they saw in them. So I'm pleased uh, with those guys, and that actually they just did everything, you know, that you could expect, you know, to, to play well and earn a spot. But speaking of uh, a pick that was like, you know, what's going on? Where did this guy come from? My most disappointing pick is, shouldn't surprise any of you guys, is uh Oregon State cornerback Nashawn Wright. And, <laughs> I mean, I guess it was pretty clear he was going to make the team because it's only his second year, you know, for crying out loud. Why am I being so hard on the guy? But, oh my goodness, it, I just, you know, watching so much, you know, the preseason tape, he's just, he's he's not ready. He, he By no means not ready. I, I hope he'll be ready by t- year three, he'll look a little better, but. I just thought he was so bad. I mean, he just can't change direction. And, I mean, he takes a, a, the wrong angle. He's, he's done because he's got no wheels. And he just doesn't really – all his strengths weren't really sh- sh- shown and all his weaknesses were just on full display. So, <laughs> so to me, he's a guy that's like I, – I wouldn't have been surprised if he was cut. Um, And I, I, I guess so he would be my disappointed pick. But
1: When you say ready, ready for what?
2: Well, I mean, ready to be cornerback. Four. If they like come off the bench, and if, if there's an injury, like I feel like the Cowboys are in trouble. If 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 something, if, you know, they were really lucky last year because those three guys just stayed healthy, um, and they also had Maurice Kennedy, which is solid. Not, you know, he didn't translate over to. A, well, he had a great camp, but then, you know, didn't seem he he wasn't didn't have a great uh, regular season, limited snaps, but he's still solid four. But like if something happens to where they're having to pull more from those guys, I'm gonna be really nervous if Nation Wright. You know, trots on the field and he has to cover someone. Um, so, I just hope he doesn't have to be used. I'd like to see him get another year, and then maybe, like, if he looks like mcquamu looked, you know, if he looks like that next year, you know, like mcquamu looked this year, that's fantastic. But I mean, I'm just, I think he's he's a complete liability. Any reps he gets now, I hope it's in you know, um, trash time because no, he's he looked terrible against some pretty bad you know opponents too just like he's getting beat in any which way
4: people people, people get people get mad at me during draft season when i watch these guys and say those same things and go yeah he's stiff he's not able to change direction so this is why i have a undrafted grade on this guy and then they pick him in the fourth round and i go that was a terrible pick and they go you're just being negative and i go no <laughs> i'm i'm just giving you an opinion on the player and i don't think he's very good and i mean that Again, I I try not to flip flop on oh my favorite team drafted him, so right. I'm going now I think he's a lot better than he is. So it's been a consistent thing with Nation Wright. Where it's like, yeah, he might have some good training camp practices on one on ones when he knows what routes coming, in and he's able to be eight nine yards off the ball. And but you get him in press coverage and somebody runs a slant on him, have fun.
3: <laughs> we saw
4: ben,
1: <laughs> and that's, we and saw- that's exactly the route that he should be best at stopping.
4: Yeah, because he's long, but he's just. Yeah.
3: He just yeah.
1: can't can't move. He's not winning at the line.
3: We the reason I the better reason better I asked. I'm sorry. Go ahead, Shane. I was saying we saw a better for question in year two from Mukwamu than Nation Wright, and they're both in a similar build. and you, And I yeah. wonder because uh, you saw Mukwamu play a little bit of cornerback, and he in those limited snaps at cornerback did better than Nation Wright did. To Nation Wright's credit, I thought he did much better against Seattle. I thought that was probably his best game, but he He still didn't look great. I think right now he's probably their sixth corner for being real. But I do wonder though that. If Mukwamu is really more of a more reliable player to play than Naishhan right, even though he primarily plays safety because I thought he looked better in that role
2: yeah, and another thing too with makwamu I want to mention too is and you know he gets to play safety you know he gets to come downhill and you know and and and, and um react to things and and that is one of um Nashawn's strengths is, is to be, you know be able to play off and then react, so it could be towards just he just got a better gig than uh, you know cause they're both very similar if you look at. Like they're both lanky, they're you know real tall, you know DBs, and they they're they're not overly like super fast, but they, but they'll close quickly. And so now I'm just wondering if like what if the roles were were reversed, would it would we be trashing on I think, or I
4: think their roles should be reversed. I said that last year is that I think I had McQuaumu as a corner because he played corner at South Carolina. I thought he could stay at corner more so. Been right because of I thought McQuaumu was I mean again he's six four so he's still not the most flexible dude but I thought he played with a much more fluidity in his lower half and hips and and legs to to be able to change directions and move so I, when they when they put McQuaumu at safety and Nation right at corner I was like you might want to flip those because I think that I mean Nation Wright's physical tackler like he, he wants to get his nose dirty and all that and he plays better I think in off coverage so I mean that's that's something that I wonder if they'll pursue if things don't improve with with right but. They already kind of kind of started dabbling with McQuamu in the corner reps in, in camp and and camping in the preseason. So
1: the, re- the reason I ask you, Dan, if um, if he's ready, and I said for what is because I think he's ready for the role they have for him, right? So he's gonna be a, he's gonna be a, a guy who's on most of the special teams units. He's pretty decent. I mean, he, he's a he's probably gonna develop into a guy who's if not a core special teamer, he's a sort of second tier core special teamer, and. Um, and, and, and unfortunately, he's probably replacing your your guy, CJ Goodwin, right? Uh, but which had to happen eventually because Goodwin has lost a step, and and so I mean, so I he, he, unless listen, he's probably cornerback five. If cornerback five has to play significant snaps, you're screwed. Your team is screwed. There's no cornerback five in the league you want playing significant snaps, right? So what you really want from your cornerback five is a guy who can. Uh, you know, give you decent stamps and garbage time and, and, and make some and make some hay on special teams. And that's exactly what they got. And yeah, they may have overinvested for cornerback five, but I, he, I think he's okay for his role. In terms of disappointments for me, I would say that my disappointments are just that a couple of my pet cats didn't make the roster. I knew they wouldn't. I knew they didn't have a chance because the roster is uh, strangely deep at both of these positions. But there's a couple of dudes I've been tracking for a couple of years that I just really, I love their games. And I think that they're probably... Never going to, you know, be be NFL starters, but I just, I just love both of them. And One of them safety, Tyler Coyle. I love him. Uh, and I, I love the way he plays. And I, and I really like Brandon Smith's game a lot, but the wide, that wide receiver, he's like, he's right there with about four other guys who were all sort of like wide receiver five through seven, you know, and it just, he's, he wasn't quite, wasn't quite uh good enough, even though he, he made a lot of really, really nice plays in the preseason. So I'm a little disappointed when neither of those cats made it because I just really like both of them. But um, you yeah, know, that's that's what happens. Um so let me ask you guys this. Uh in terms of if we look at the larger structure of the roster, it looks like um they I I can't remember. You guys tell me if you can remember, a time where they went so unbalanced on one on one side of the ball versus the other. So uh they went twenty-eight on defense and twenty-two, it looks like on offense. Um I mean I mean once we get our once we get our uh once we get our like our you know our specialists back onto the roster, it looks like it'll be about that, uh, and I can't remember if anything was ever more than like 27, 23 maybe, um, which is sort of interesting, um, but also like they went heavier at a couple of positions. so uh, thoughts about you know from a sort of larger point of view, positions where they went heavier, positions where they went light and any surprises there
3: for you all. Okay, I'll take this. I thought I was, I was a little surprised they went light at tight end, just because they usually keep four tight ends. Mm-hmm. And and, that, and I don't know if, if the injury to Sean McEwen is really that significant that it would keep him out. Obviously, Ian Bunton and Jeremy Sprinkle ain't there no more, so they only went with three guys. But, you know, Dan's right. Their tight end three right now is Peyton Hendershot, and if they're going to warm out their offensive snaps, is he ready for that, or is he primarily going to be a special teams guy? And you really would rather have someone who's more experienced in that role and let your undrafted guys play primarily, especially without playing offense. But it looks like, um, especially if something were to happen, God forbid, to Schultz or Ferguson, pender shots that next, next guy up. And I think he made a lot of nice made a lot of nice plays in preseason and in camp, and he jersey on the roster. But you wonder if that could translate to the regular season. So I was a little surprised that – they, that they would, uh, they wouldn't try and look for maybe a fourth experience tight end, even if it's just a cheap guy. I know OJ Howard was available today. I mean that was obviously a, a pipe dream. And I'm surprised that we went long at linebacker just because I thought one that Devin Harper outplayed Luke Gifford as a, as that fifth linebacker. I didn't think we need a sixth guy because we have specialists in our linebacker room. Even Michael Parsons is going to play a number of roles. We also have safeties who play linebacker and J. Ron Curse and Marquise Bell who play the box who play off the line of scrimmage and sort of like a off brand. Sam linebacker role, where they can play off the edges to where they really didn't need to go long at linebacker. They could have gone light there and heavier up, uh, at other positions. So I thought that was where they kept a sixth guy for that position. But, you know, I talked about earlier, he's a John Fossil guy. hmm
1: one of the things that Danny and I talked about last last week was when, you, when you're thinking about cut downs, it's important to, to sort of note how many guys are in that sort of 250 pound range because they have to keep a certain number of those dudes. So, like the fact that they went light at tight end means they have to either go heavy at fullback or heavy at, heavy at linebacker because you need like the, the sort of guys who are in that 250 pound range tend to be your your lineman and special teams, and you, so you have to have a certain number of those guys just to populate your special teams. So when McEwen did. Make it. I mean, we could actually say it's not McEwen versus. Or rather, it's not um, it's not Giver versus Harper. It's Giver versus McEwen. And so he made the he made the team because McEwen may be, maybe a little dinged up right now, and they need more of those dudes who are in that kind of in that weight class, so to speak.
3: I, mean, I didn't think of that. That's 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 a good point. I mean, I, I think
1: that that's a result of like the fact they changed the special teams rules a couple years ago. You see a lot fewer linemen on special teams now, and now now your linemen are all those dudes. So. You basically have to have a base a baseline of those guys, and' they don't, they don't keep a fullback, so that means they're going to go heavy in one of those positions uh danny what about what about you man where were you where were you surprised they went light or heavy
2: i uh so I was a little bit surprised that well I was surprised they went heavy at receiver, even though I agree with all the choices they made. I don't have any problem with it, and I'm actually very really happy uh it makes me feel good about the the promise of you know of Dennis Houston. Because I was thinking that he was just gonna lose out on the numbers, and you know one of the guys' it's gonna be yeah. one of them be like more. yeah he, well yeah, I mean he's 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 played better. performed better in and, and uh, you know, and to speak a little bit about by the way, I love you both your pet cats uh um and uh you know, but I figured, like maybe Brandon Smith might have like gave them a little insurance to where it's like, well you know what well, if we end up losing Dennis Houston, we always got Brandon Smith, you know, or so. Uh, so I guess that made me a little surprised with, um, with, uh, you know, that Dennis Houston made it, but pleasantly surprised. Also, you know, they, they went really long with, with DBs too. You know, and of course I could, you already know one that I would, would get rid of, but uh, I'll, but I also think Tyler Coyle, I I think if, if um, Marquise Bell didn't play so well, that you could make a case for maybe Coyle could sneak on there. Cause he, you know, he was making plays too. And so Little surprised with with the length of the DBs too, but the the as far as going light, it's it's the offensive line still worries me. It's just like I feel like I look at that, I'm like we, I feel like we're missing a couple guys. It's like obviously we're hoping that they sign a veteran to come in, but it just it, it everything about that makes me uneasy. And I think when you remove Ty, Ty, Tyron Smith from it, I mean the Cowboys, you're looking at eight guys. I feel I feel like that's just not only are they know lean lean and talent but they're just light on numbers too so so that's the position I think that uh, that they're pretty light on
4: Connor thoughts yeah I mean it's I, hard not to agree with Dan there just with the the offensive line I mean you're, you're I mean let's be real it, it we just talked about how you know we've been more impressed with Connor McGovern but rea- really going into week one against Tampa you're probably not sure on left tackle you're not sure on right tackle you're not sure on left guard and you don't have anybody currently behind any of them or you feel super calm I mean Matt Farniok's done a good job in his role but if you line him up against Vita Vea in week one what are you thinking If it's not we're good here you know what I'm saying so you know if if again I, th- I think offensive line is just the easy answer there cuz I feel like they didn't really go short in any positions because of what they got going on with their specialists on the practice squad and backup quarterbacks on the uh practice squad other than the offensive line but I think we can maybe expect the signing or or so coming soon there hopefully more 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 bodies is a need and more bodies with experience is a need for sure um and then going long I'm going to cheat a little bit here and just say I I mean I I can't remember a team in the past, I can't remember as many teams that have just like this amount of specialist only type of guys. You know what I'm saying? Like, like, I know they, they've come out and said Kevontae Turpin's a returner one, you know, play, you know, offensive weapon two, receiver three. So you're almost viewing him as not going to make much of an impact on offense other than his return skills. They got a CJ Goodwin, you know, you obviously got, your get like they have three specialists pretty much that don't do a ton on offense or defense that just play special teams outside of their kicker punter and long snapper. I feel like that's a that's a lot of dudes on your team that might not impact the defensive or offensive side of the ball. But that's kind of a cheating answer. But just something that I've thought about here recently that man on a team that might lack you know depth and might lack some of the the talent that teams in the past have is can you afford to have three guys on that team that might not make much of an impact on offensive defense? I mean, we'll see if the special teams is that good. You can, but if it's still middle of the pack or, you know, average to below average, then that's when you might get into that question of, okay, would we rather have, you know, a better linebacker than Luke Gifford or, or a better corner on the team? You know, CJ Goodwin's not going to help us at corner. So if somebody gets hurt, can our sixth corner really be CJ Goodwin or do we need it to be somebody better? So I don't know. Mm-hmm. It's bad, bad answer, but that's kind of one of the old things I can think of. <laughs> that,
1: that, that reminds me of something I've been thinking about a lot, Connor. I'd love to hear you hear your thoughts on this. Cause I, I think you're a really good personnel guy, um, which is that my, my thesis after three years with McCarthy and three drafts with McCarthy is that McCarthy and his coaching staff do a better job than the Jason Garrett coaching staff. That, but a couple of things in terms of talent acquisition, and that's one. Um, I think they do a better job talking to the scouts about the kind of players they want. I feel like I feel like the scout the scouting staff is bringing in guys, especially like guys on day three who really fit a kind of type and a role. And then that leads me to my second question, which is the, the idea of a role. I feel like they've done a really nice job in players like let's say thirty through forty five. In both getting younger guys, but also getting guys who can do a thing, who have a trait that can that can contribute, right? So there's something that the guy can do that where he can add value. That they put him on for, for ten snaps, that 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 trait will allow him, allow him to add value in those snaps. I mean, it's, it's, it's sort of it's a little bit Belichickian in the sense that you don't need a, an all around player. You just need to get guys who have a strong trait and they can use it. And I feel like. While the, while the while the middle and bottom of the roster is younger, and therefore I think we're more inclined to say they're not as good as in previous years, I think in some ways this roster is way deeper on that level than in previous years because there's guys who there's a, there's, a, there's a there's a road or a pathway toward them making a contribution. It's clearer in a way than I felt like I never really quite understood the the like this you know the the guys in the bottom third of the roster in the garrett years.
4: Yeah, I mean maybe and maybe I'm not going maybe I'm not going back that far, I guess is the thing. It's just like in years past, like, Noah Brown was your sixth receiver and now he's crap your two, you know, like like I'm wondering if you got too many guys that aren't offensive and defensive minded first that you might have four special teams that they're not gonna make a big enough impact to contribute on the again, this sounds about to say but two more Important sides of the ball, but again, that was more so of a wanted to go a different route than what we've already said, and thinking of a little something different to talk about.
2: So let's just don't
4: get me wrong. Like I like CJ Goodwin, I like Louie different I like those guys, but it's just kind of a little. Bit, what, what Dan, I think you mentioned it earlier. One of you guys did. I can't remember who said it, but like, could Nation Wright be your CJ Goodwin, and then you find a better corner to add? You know is that an option to make your quote unquote 53 better, you know, could, could Devin Harper be your Luke Gifford, And then you get, you know, another veteran linebacker that might be able to play rush the path. I, I mean, again, I'm just, I'm, I'm speaking out loud here, but that's kind of, I guess my thought process behind that answer that I gave.
2: Yeah. I, I think what would be interesting. I mean, I think you're absolutely right. Connor is just how good will they be on special teams? And I really, right. I really, I mean, we have to see it first, but I, I really think they got a lot, a lot of good potential. got a lot of players so to where they could actually, that that fossil could actually turn this unit into, into like maybe the strength of the teams. I mean, cause you know, you get, you get just that one or two extra guys that execute their blocks and then Turpin's gone, you know? So I really right. think that, uh, uh, so I'm very excited about like, you know, how this unit is going to look, um, minus the whole kicking situation. That's, that's a different story. I think we're just, we, we got what we got with that. Um, But so let's just kind of pull all this thing, pull everything together and just I want to ask you guys and Shane, you can you could answer first. um, Where do you think the Cowboys will be better in this season and where do you think they will be worse?
3: You know, I'm actually really impressed with the, with the with the development of the defensive line. And you know, Dan Quinn gets a lot of credit for the defense, and, and he turned it around. But we can't, we can't ignore Aiden Dirty, the, uh, the defensive line coach. And not only like uh, talent acquisition, but the progression of these young defensive tackles: Osa, Dickie Zua, Neville Gallon. We saw Quentin Bohanna up uh, in per, um in preseason, like how well he's improved as as a as a pass rusher. Hey, Tristan um, he said, Hill.
2: Yeah, everybody, yeah, Hill, everybody. Dude,
3: yeah. Carlos Watkins had his had his had a career year last year in his first year in Dallas. Sam Williams has has like all the tools that you need of a superstar edge rusher, and obviously there's there's things he has to work on. We all know it. We all seen it. But with the way Aiden Durde has been like um, progressing these players, these these young inexperienced players, players a lot of people that kind of like you know push to the side. I, I'm excited to see what he does in the in this next season with all those young talented guys. Chauncey Golson is another one. Chauncey Golson might be the most versatile uh, defensive player just because he's able to play inside and out and, and and play the run the way he does. He put on all that weight. He's now, I think, 6'4", if I remember right. I might be wrong about that. But now he's big enough up, up, up top to play tackle. He's versatile enough to play both direction spots. I think that's going to be the area that we're going to see the biggest improvement on.
4: Man, I'm going to take the uh, the easy one here. You guys are probably going to get mad at me, but I think your quarterback is going to stay healthier than he did last year, and therefore he's going to play more consistent. Um, I mean, again, like I go back at times last year where people thought he was dreadful towards the end of the year and the calf was bugging him, and I just think that that's box score scouting and people not watching the tape and seeing that the offense had gone a little stagnant and. The running game wasn't there. So you're getting a lot of three, four man rushes and a lot of guys dropping in coverage. But I think with that, your quarterback couldn't move as good as he's used to moving. He couldn't get out of the pocket as good as he, you know, he couldn't run. He couldn't scramble. So it was throwing into tight coverage at times. It was throwing into areas he probably wouldn't have thrown in in the past because he would have ran with the football or gotten out of the pocket, moved things around. Um, so, I mean, that's that's just the easy one to me. I think he looks healthy. I think he feels healthy. I think outside of the calf and the shoulder. I think the biggest thing that we talked about a lot on our podcast with Mark Strofield is just the mental aspect of things of getting, getting back to just being the absolute mental dog that he's been for his career. And we think he's there. Um, we think the health's back and we think that go ahead and drop, you know, seven dudes into coverage. When a guy that's six foot three, 240 pounds and likes to run and likes taking on contact is feeling like he can do that again. And I think that, whether it's with the arm or with the legs, I think you're just going to see a bit much better and more consistent version of Dak Prescott. That's going to, you know, take what you know. We, what we heard all last year is all oh, Denver found the blueprint. Well, Denver might have found the blueprint, and then Dak got hurt and he couldn't really expose that blueprint as much because he wasn't healthy in the lower half and felt comfortable running. So, I think he's going to get back to being that mobile guy that we've seen for so long and you know, they'll drop seven in the coverage and he'll get eight with his legs and then teams are going to have to adjust to that. And then you'll get back to seeing that, you know, architect with the, with the arm where he's able to pick guys apart and take what's in, in front of him. And maybe they'll be able to run the ball then a little bit better. And I just think the offense, I'm not saying the offense is going to be better than it was last year. I think the quarterback's going to play more consistent and be able to use his legs more, which will make things look a lot cleaner than it did at the end of the year last year.
2: Yeah. I, I like that answer. And I think that, I think we all agree. It just, I mean, obviously the quarterback is, is, is so important. And, and when you have, we, we saw how well Dak could play when, you know, when he was healthy and, and that's just something that I think that, you know, we did miss toward the last part of the season. And, and I think he, it will be the biggest thing and we may not have the number one offense or number one yards like we did last year, but I think you'll probably see overall moments where they're actually look better than they did. And so I, I, I agree with that, but I also too, I, I'm, I'm kind of gonna can springboard a little bit with Shane, and uh, I, and and I'm also gonna cheat too because this isn't just a position. I think the the front seven on defense is is gonna just be the strength of this team. I, I think that when you combine it with the def- defensive line and then what they're gonna do at linebacker, you know, and the plans for with with Micah and everything, and I don't know what to expect from Barr, but um, I just think that that group is just gonna be better than they were last year, and I think that. They're going to really cause some problems, and, and again, si- similar to offense, statistically we won't put up the numbers that they have, but I still think that overall performance-wise, you're going to see just a, a you know a more talented group. So that's my uh that's my biggest uh you know where we will we'll, where we will be better. Rabs, you got you got one to add.
1: I, I agree a hundred percent, and I think that, I think that they're going to have to be better there because I think it's it's statistically highly unlikely that they enjoy the kind of turnover margin they did last year. Historically, that kind of thing always regresses to the mean. Um, they were sort of, you know, historically good at that last year. I think that they'll continue to be good at it. Cause I do think they've, they've done a job of getting guys who are, are playmakers and ball Hawks and, and uh, you know, have receiving skills, but those kind of numbers are not replicable. So the question is how do you get stops and, and, you, know, you get stops by forcing the other team into penalties and by forcing them into um, long-down and distant situations with sacks and things like that. And th- those things those things, are both generated by the front seven. So I think they'll probably have far fewer turnovers, especially turnovers in the secondary, but I, I think they can make up for that by having a more consistent pass rush throughout the year. Um, and fi- and fi- also finding just r- sort of more... They have more mismatched players up front now, right? And so I think that... Um, I think that one of the things that Dan Quinn seems to be pretty good at is in-game sort of figuring out where those mismatches are and then exploiting them in the second half. I think they'll be better at that.
2: So, you know, I have a feeling we're all going to give a similar answer, if not the same answer, for, like, where we'll, where they will be worse. Uh, my answer is going to be the offensive line. Um, but uh, if, if you have a different answer, I mean, or, or maybe just like a – a second, a second runner-up for where you think we're. But what other area are you concerned with, uh, Connor? What, what do you think? Uh, who, what other area besides? Or if, you know, maybe it's not offensive line to you, but
4: uh. I, I agree with you. It's probably coming down to offensive line, and I, mean, I think the other obvious one is receiver. Um, but I'll, I'll just to be different and bring up another topic of conversation and something for people listening to think about. Um, just kind of go against the grain a little bit. You know, we talked about earlier how those corners all stayed healthy last year. We talked about earlier how, you know, the minor injury, you know, with Tank and Randy, but they had Micah have a career year. Let's say, you know, Trayvon Diggs misses four or five weeks. Let's say Micah gets banged up, which, again, we're not trying to put that out in the air. It's just it's football. These things happen. And the defense stayed relatively healthy last year for the most part. Um, you know, LVE stayed healthy for the first time in a long time year. You know, Neville Gallimore was banged up, but you had those under tackles and in and, and those tackles kind of step up and play a role. Um, it's just you're I'll say I don't think the defense will be as good. You know, I think they were number one in DVOA last year. I think they're gonna be closer to sixteen in D V O A this year than one. Yep. So I think they'll be closer to league average and first in the league, um, which could be big, you know, big Big deal when you're talking about, you know, winning the division or we hear all we've heard a lot, heard here a lot recently that, oh, this this team will go as the defense takes it. But you're 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 as the offensive line, same thing. You're an injury or two away from that being a big, big struggle, I think. So I'll just kind of I'm not saying I think the defense is going to be bad by any means, but I think it will be worse than last year because they're not going to repeat that turnover look. And then I'll just kind of anticipate, you know, maybe not having your top three corners stay healthy for 17 games again or might lose one of those edge rushers or defensive tackle again. And then if you're not creating those turnovers, what does that look like and how does that correlate to your wins and losses?
1: I agree 100%. And I'll just add one quick thing, which is, uh, I don't know if the offensive line can be worse than they were last year. <laughs> they were they were, pretty rotten.
2: Oh, the oh Rob, like, the they can. The
1: they can be, but I mean, they – honestly the offense was stagnant because the offensive line couldn't run block and, and oftentimes broke down in in uh, in pass blocking even even though as as others have rightly pointed out teams were going to three man rushes and and you know playing playing heavy coverage so um i mean listen if the offensive line is worse than it was last year then then we're looking at like a five win season because uh, they're i mean they're, they're going to be able to do nothing on offense cuz they were they were Putrid last year in the last half of the year and he got and got dominated in, in against the forty ers and you know i mean and many and against any good team toward the end of the year um so I, I i but I agree with connor i think that I think the place where they can be be worse both because of regression but also for all the reasons he was articulating is secondary
4: i guess the the easy answer is if you want to say where they could be worse in twenty twenty two they were in twenty twenty one is your injury luck that's another yeah. answer they were relatively healthy for most of 2021 and you know even though Dak had the calf injury only missed a game but you you have CD get hurt Uh uh-oh you have Dalton Schultz get hurt even though we do like Jake Ferguson and Peyton Hendershot Uh uh-oh you have one of those tackles get hurt Uh uh-oh I mean you're you got a lot of uh uh-ohs on that on that team this year where if one one dude gets hurt you're going yikes is it time to start talking draft and just feel like years in the past they had you know. CD got hurt, you had Amari, you had Gallup, you had if Gallup got hurt. That happened last year. You had still two, three. Cedric Wilson was a big step-up player. You know, it just felt like you were in a better situation in years in the past that you could kind of hold off and, and withstand, you know, even a couple decent blows to the injury front, where this year it's just not there.
2: Yeah. And we've already had one uh-oh already, so, yeah. <laughs> Not a good. We, start.
4: we got close to multiple. I saw CD and foot one time, and I went, "Here it comes. Let's uh, let's get the draft rolling."
2: <laughs> oh, brother!
4: <laughs> All right, Tyron was the uh oh. You know, again, the first time you see Micah hobble off with the with the, you know, banged up whatever, you're gonna go here. We go here's here it is again. And like I said, I just think that, like Rabs was just saying, I think it's a you're, you're a corner, one of those, you know, Anthony Brown, Trayvon Diggs injury away from going.
2: Uh oh, nice Wright, right. Here we go.
4: <laughs> Calvin Joseph, you gotta step up, son. Yeah. All right.
1: So listen, we're gonna do some predictions. Uh we wanna hear your predictions for the year, but before we do, we wanna uh just, just to kind of like run some prop bets by you guys. So some prop bets out there for the Cowboys season. Um so we're just gonna run a couple of them by you and then and then we'll um then we'll talk predictions. So uh let's start with this one. uh Dak's passing yards over or under. The prop bet right now is 4,250.5 yards, so 4,250 and a half yards. Are you going over or are you going under? Dan, start us off. Yeah,
2: I'm going under. I mean, I just.
1: Under? Yeah. yeah. Why?
2: Well, first off, I don't think we have the offensive line to, to protect Dak for him to air it out. And I think that they're going to be a little more conservative. And I just see a little bit. I mean, I'm not going to say they're going to turn into a grinder's and just rely on their defense and chalk uh, clock chewing. Um, but I do think it, they'll probably take the foot off the gas a little bit and to be a little bit more of a discipline type offense. And um, so I just, I just don't see him. I don't see him doing throwing, you know, throwing a for a lot. So I'm, I'm taking, I'm taking the there.
4: Interesting. Anybody else?
3: I'm taking over.
4: I'm also going under, but I'll let Shane explain over first.
3: Okay, so mine is really based on more of like statistics than anything else. So Dak has played 37 games with Kellen Moore as his offensive coordinator. In that time, he averages 303 passing yards per game. And if you equate that out to a 17-game season, it's over 5,100 yards on the season. And, the, and because the offensive line won't be able to run block just like last year, I think they'll have to throw the ball. They'll have to air it out. I think he's gonna rely on a lot of C D Lamb, a lot of Dalton Schultz, a lot of Tony Pollard, hopefully in the slot end out of the backfield. I think they'll have to do that to the point to where we were looking at a twenty twenty season where he was on the verge of six thousand yards passing because the running game was inefficient. So I'm I'm not like going over. I'm going potentially league leading over.
2: Wow.
1: So someone just put all their chips in the middle of the table.
4: Connor, what do you think? What are you thinking? Going under. Um I mean for some of the things we've talked about today, I just I mean, he was 16 games last year. He was at almost 4,500 yards. Um, And, you know, that was where I felt like he had multiple, what, multiple 400 passing yard games. He had a lot of those last year. And I I just think we keep hearing Jerry say it. We keep hearing Mike McCarthy say it about how important it is then to get back to being up and run the football. We don't want to be a team that, totally relies and I think their their actions this season show it they moved on from Amari Cooper they moved on from Lyle Collins and put Terrence Steele at right tackle who's a better much better run blocker than he is pass block, uh, blocker they added Tyler Smith who's much more known for his run blocking than his pass blocking um, they promoted Connor McGovern and kind of had him as a starting left guard before we even mentioned Tyler Smith starting at left tackle he's probably more known for his run blocking than his pass protection so a lot of their moves I think kinda have said they're gonna lean into that a little bit more. Um and then just like I said, some of the things we talk about on, on Talking to Star me and Mark Schofield is, you know, he has a he has a vision that a lot of defense are gonna play his coverage, which is cover one, double eighty eight, that's that's, you know, one safety up top one safety and one corner on 88, a lot of four man boxes and a lot of people dropping in coverage. And if that happens, I think this offense will still succeed because I think Dak's going to be mobile enough. Like I mentioned earlier to run the football more. Um, I think they'll run the football a little bit better, but I just don't think the passing yards will be there as much as they were in years past, just because of the wide receiver outlook, the struggles on offense aligned to pass protect, to give Dak time to do that. And then just, the lack of weapons, I think you have to get the football to. So I'm going to go. I'm going to go under mainly because of what Jerry and Steven and Mike has said all off season, and then just some of the issues they have on offensive line at receiver and the way they're going to get played. I think.
2: Yeah, I, w- I want to add something real quick, Razzie. Before I, before you say something meaningful, I reckon. But um, <laughs> but to, you know, just to kind of counter a little bit with Shane, I, I, I appreciate. I, I think that he came in with some with some good numbers and you know some some good uh, some good stats to kind of back back it up. But I think the the reason I don't think it's going to be like that is I think the the game scripts are going to be a little different in the sense of like there's a lot of those games that were played when well a lot of them well some of them you know when the Cowboys defense wasn't as good you know with we talking about early you know in in 2020. But I think um I just think the defense is going to change things. Like so I don't think the Cowboys are going to be playing a lot of like catch up games. I think if when they're in close game I think it's I, I just don't see them in a lot of positions where they'll be having to throw the ball as much, so I think the opportunities to have uh, those big passing yards are, will be a little bit less in in contrast to the previous, like Moore, um Dak Prescott, you know, groupings. So,
1: I, I was actually going to say something along those lines. Um, I
2: knew you were going to say something time, meaningful. Was,
1: no, no, <laughs> no, 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 it's tot- not meaningful <laughs> in, the, in the slightest, but um, but I was going to say that. that him being under depends on the defense performing well, right? If he's going to be under, it's because that's going to mean either two things. One, he's injured and misses several games or he, or the defense is playing well and that allows them to stick to that play script that you were talking about, which is that they're running a lot, a lot, they're relying on the defense and special teams to keep him in the game, to make plays, to give them short fields. Right. Um And so I guess the, and since defensive performance is, is just about the least steady thing year to year in the NFL, I, I mean I, I think the defense may be, I, I think it's very, very possible the defense could be better, but not, not as statistically impressive. right They could actually have a better year and play better, but, um, but not be as, not be as effective. And so I'm going to go to over because I do think they're going to be playing a little bit more of those catch-up games. I think they're going yeah. I think, I to think get, I think they're going to, I think they're going to get, I think they're going to, they're going to struggle to to get as many stops, as many easy stops as they got last year. Um, so let's, let's just do a couple more real quick. Uh, CD lamb receiving yards, 1200 and one half of a yard over or under Dan, I'll start with you.
2: Well, I'm just going to keep, keep my, uh, my picks together and I'm going to go with under, um, you know, I'm, I'm holding my breath for CD to have a big year. But I really think the Cowboys in their plan is to just just spread the love. And I think you already have Dalton Schultz. I think that he's gonna get, you know, a, a good dose of targets, and I think there's gonna be a lot of mouths to feed. So I think it won't necessarily mean that C D didn't live up to you know what he's supposed to do as a number one wide receiver. But I think that I, I think twelve hundred might be a little too high. I can see him having an eleven hundred yard season and another Pro Bowl season and having a great season. But just not having just super inflated numbers because I really think the Cowboys would make an effort to um, to really just you know spread things around for Dak. There there are a lot of a lot of players. I mean we got you guys got to remember Noah Brown's in this offense. You know you got to get him the ball some way. So uh, no, but I mean if you look at all the players, I mean the, the Dennis Houston too. You know and like with the rookie t- you know, Tolbert and then, you know Gallup, he'll come back sooner than expected. So that to me, yeah, I'm just going to go uh, I'm going to go under.
1: Honor. Shane, what
4: do you think? I'm going over with him, and I think between him and Schultz, they might, you know, if they, uh I know I had Dak Prescott for under on the yards, but CD and Schultz might combine for 5,000 yards total. <laughs> so, <laughs> no, if they are playing catch up a lot, or they're they're they've been lying to us about the game plan, then, then I I got faith in it. But yeah, I think I think for like Dan said, I mean, I think they're. I'm hoping. Let me say that I'm hoping that they're going to adjust their philosophy on offense about spreading the love and going. Hey, we got two guys who can make an impact in the passing game, and that's CeeDee Lamb and Dalton Schultz right now. Let's focus on getting him the football. Let's move CD around in the slot to get him some fair matchups and coverage. Um, you know, we'll use Jalen Tolbert, Michael Gallup when he gets back healthy as the two and the three, and you know, we'll get them their targets. But we're gonna we're gonna do the the Green Bay and Devonte Adams style of approach with, with targeting our guy and living and dying with CD Lamb, so I'll give him the over on the yards.
3: I went over as well, but it's mainly it's, it's like Connor said, it's on dependence on CD Lamb because you know with the losses of Cooper Wilson and to, and Turner, I wrote this down because I don't know if you heard this. They lost sixteen hundred and sixteen passing yards from last year. That's thirty two point nine percent, thirty two point six percent of their receiving yards returning from last year. So, C.D. Lamb just by himself is going to be dependent on so so much because outside of him, the only receiver they have on the team, active at least, would is uh, Noah Brown that's seen any sort of significant playing time in the NFL. Obviously, when Gallup returns, that'll help a little bit. And you brought up Dalton Schultz, but Dalton Schultz is probably going to be a lot more of those like under routes, those out route kind of guys. And Tony Pollard is probably going to factor in this a little bit depending on how they use him. But I, I think – I don't see. I don't know how much over CD Lamb's going to go over. I could. I could easily see 1350 uh, yard season on him just because he's going to need to be that guy. Um, I could also easily see him being 1100 yard receiver because, because Dak, like Dan, like Dan, said, likes to spread the ball, like to have a clear cut, obvious target like some teams like to have. But I think just because of my questions on the depth and and the inconsistencies behind CD Lamb, I think CD Lamb's going to have to put up huge numbers. So I'm going to go over.
1: Let me ask you a question, Dan. You remember this? Uh, who was the best player in training camp two years ago?
2: Two years ago?
1: Yeah, yeah. the one—the the one we were where we were both. Oh, oh, uh, who the best player was? It was who it,
2: was the best player it was, in it, camp it, was, camp? it was it was the, it was CD.
1: It was CD it was, by, by and the second best player was Trevon Diggs, but CD CD Lamb was the, the, clearly the best player on this team at that time. Yes, and I—I I mean, I really think that the Cowboys saw that and said, "Here's our number one." I think that I think that's. Half of the reason they got rid of Amari Cooper not not to create room for CD, but they were like we have a number one receiver, we have we have we have an elite like top five kind of receiver here, and he was just coming into that in that New England game. Remember, if you guys remember that New England game, if you watched it, like the second half of that game, he 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 was unstoppable, and he made like four or five huge plays to to, to keep drives going, to get him to feel a field goal range, etc. And it just felt like he was on the cusp of, of breaking out, and then Dak got hurt, and then of course CD got hurt, and was never really quite the same. I I think that. I mean, I know that I know that things have changed a little bit in terms of the personnel, but I think that 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 they believe he's that guy still, and that he's gonna and they're gonna treat him as if he's that guy. And I I so I, I I honestly wouldn't be surprised to even get 1,500 yards. I really wouldn't. Wow. All right, last, All right, last question. Last question, gentlemen. Right. Uh, and this and this sort of t- touches on what we were talking about earlier, which is we want predictions for the 2022 season. So um, we can kind of fold these in here. Win total, over under. Ten and a half. Uh, I, I see. I see some gesturing, uh, Connor. Why don't you? Why don't you go first, man? What do you got?
4: I mean, I think that I think, based Oh, this can all obviously change as we see how the season gets going. But I mean, I think today, like they're a nine and eight team, and I think that's a decent season for them. I mean, we just—I don't know how you have faith in. I have faith in CD Lamb, but I, I think, as my buddy Mark always says, is every defense coordinator in the world is going to go, okay, let's let Noah Brown and Jalen Tolbert try to beat us, and they're going to spend a lot of time over double coverage, and shadowing coverage, bracket coverage. CD Lamb, we haven't had faith in the Cowboys being able to run the ball effectively. We have a ton of questions about this offensive line. We, you know, think this defense is going to be good, but. How good can it be if it doesn't replicate the turnovers? We have a lot of questions about the kicker. So, I mean, I just – I think this team's a nine-win team right now, and, and maybe that still is enough to win the division and, and get them into the playoffs. But it's just I, – I don't, I don't see how anybody can have them winning 11 or 12 games based on all the question marks we currently have.
2: Yeah. You know, before Shane gives us a little bit more of a brighter outlook <laughs> than, than – I can't, can't believe so-
4: –
1: all so the negative Nellies go
2: for disrespectful. Damn. I think I think nine is absurd. Sorry, I can't believe Connor would even suggest that. Because uh, I think they're going to win ten games, and which still puts us at the under. So, uh, so I have to say I'm also a little bit um, skeptical. And of course, it's all surrounded by the offensive line, and and that's kind of where all my all my negativity comes. Because when if if Dak can't throw, you know, I mean, then. The, you know, Cowboys can't move the ball, and I I just feel like that's going to be a big problem. I think they've underestimated that a little bit. I also think, as much as I don't want to acknowledge, I do think the Eagles are going to be a a legit threat in the division. Um, how far that they go outside of that, I don't know. But uh, you know, if I had to pick right now, if the Cowboys are taking down the division, I would say I would say no. So I'm going to say I'm going to say I, I got them going 10 and seven, um, and I think this will be the last year of Mike McCarthy and. Uh, and then we just kind of take a breath and uh, you know, hopefully, you know, reset and, and figure some things out. But that's that's my my prediction. I'm, I'm going under as well.
3: So Is ten any and a your approach for us <laughs> with 10 and a half, does that mean they go 10, six and one? Does that mean that there's a that fire? would be under? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this means, I mean, that would be under. Yeah, you basically are saying, uh, yeah, they I think you the I, and you I, says, oh, so you over. It's tough for me to say just because like 10-7 and seven and 11-6, and both of those seem plausible because I look at the schedule, and I, I actually put it out earlier in the year that I think they're going to go 5-1 and one in the East. I think they'll lose to Philly in Philly. And if you look at Dak's record, he's 25-6 and all-time against the East, but a lot of those games that he's played in were a lot of meaningless uh, Week 17 games where like people rested the starters or we rested our strategy. It didn't matter, so that's kind of a skew, but Dak's been primarily dominant in the division. So if, let's say they just go 5-1 and one out of that and look at the schedule teams that they should beat are teams like Houston, uh, teams like Indy, teams like Chicago, teams like Jacksonville. I wouldn't say Detroit just yet because I think they're going to be a sneaky team. And every year the Cowboys seem to beat a team they shouldn't beat. They, they lose to a team they shouldn't lose to. And then there's that team that, that no one thinks so much of, and then they just all of a sudden become like this really uh, solid team. Last year that was the Cardinals for the Cowboys. So I think – you know, if, if I had to guess, I think the floor of this team is probably eight and nine. The ceiling is twelve and five. But I'm agree with Dan and Connor that ten and seven just seems more realistic, and they because they don't lack talent. It's because of the, the key areas in which they in which they lack uh, quality depth, offensive line being the uh, being the biggest one. Mm-hmm. So ten and seven under, I I would agree, but it's a slight under.
4: I'm going to add some negativity to it, you know, just because that's kind of my thing. <laughs> that's why That's why we invited you on, man. Right. It's just <laughs> they got to prove it to me, man. Like, I know they yeah. won 12 games yeah. last year, and it was just – it. I mean, we can all sit here and say that this roster is not as good as it was last year, correct? It's, I don't
3: know that I agree.
2: It's, it's close in my book. I
3: think, I think they're better in some areas, but they're, they're worse in a lot of key
4: areas. In the more important – yeah, offensive line, receiver – you know, that's my issue is again, like you lose people I can say they want about Randy Gregory, but when he was on the field, you know, he was an effective pass rusher. So I feel like they got worse in the passing game. They got worse at pass protection and they got worse depending on how they play it at pass rusher. Um, just because mm-hmm. if you play Michael there full time, that might be different, but you know, Micah was here last year and he was impactful. So um, I just think when you say that, you know, you lost impactful players at all three of those spots, it's tough for me to just, totally buy into it and maybe they come out and go six and oh with this new revamp philosophy and i go you know what i was wrong in the preseason they, they they're running the ball down people's throat they're playing bully ball like they're able to use play action off of it they're able to throw their their schultz is looking like an all-pro and we'll go hey it worked you know we didn't think it could or we didn't think it would but it is but i'm gonna have to see that and see it you know consistently before mm-hmm. i go okay i got faith <laughs>
3: You know, I look at uh, I look at the teams they play, and the, and the best teams they play are teams like Tampa, Cincinnati, Green Bay, L.A., and probably Tennessee. Those might be their five toughest opponents. And I think, okay, where are the areas in which they're weak versus where we're weak? Can we take advantage of that? Can they take advantage of ours? Um, I think right now, probably, I think we can probably all agree the best team they're going to play this year is going to be the Rams, just because they seem like from from top to bottom look to be like the, the deepest, best team, and they also really well coached, and that can factor into a lot. And uh and then I think this year they probably have a better shot at beating the Bucks than they did last year. But last year it came down to the wire, and I mean we'll see we'll see how Tom Brady looks, especially with like they had just as just as many questions on the offensive line as we do. People More seem to forget reason. about that. Yeah, yeah. The, the Bengals they have a revamped offensive line and they made it to the Super Bowl allowing the most sacks in the league, but that's just because Joe Burrow is the second coming to Tom Brady. And then we look at Aaron, and we look at Aaron Rodgers and the Packers. They lost Devontae Adams, and right now their strength, their team is going to be him and the defense. And they and they just seem to uh, be able to develop offensive linemen really well. So I wonder if they're if, if, how good they're going to be because the Packers are always always seem to be a team that competes well until they get to the playoffs, kind of like the Cowboys do. And then and then, and then with Tennessee, obviously them losing Harold Landry uh, today hurts because that's their best pass rusher. Can uh, where does Ryan Tannehill have left? Will it be? Uh, Malik Willis, who I was a big fan of coming out of Liberty. Uh, Liberty, but that's the thing is like how, how they play against those really tough opponents, those like playoff team opponents is going to really dictate how this how this team looks. Because I, I forgot what the schedule ranking was. I think they had one of the easier schedules. I, originally, yeah, originally it was the, originally it was the worst, but they after the preseason, I think they loaded it a little bit to so yeah. work out a little bit harder. I wonder if teams like the Jags or the Lions like had this sudden uh, the season two turnaround with with the, with the new coaching staff. Because I think that uh, I think Trevor Lawrence has has that in him. I like the Lions' roster a lot, but I I still wouldn't pick him to beat the Cowboys. But Connor, you mentioned it—the the three areas that they that they have the biggest questions and lack a lot of deficit receiver, offensive line, and pass rush are three areas that last year they excelled in. Right. And so how and so how that team is and how the team uh, reacts to that and who and who steps up for them is going to dictate how the season looks.
4: Right. Yeah, and that's just my biggest thing. I felt like they're. I know I know, we're running long, but just my, my kind of narrative surrounding this offseason is some of your biggest strengths from last year and now, and I'm not going to call it edge a weakness because we don't, I mean, T- Tank Lawrence stays healthy, Michael Parson rushes the passer, you're set there. But if Tank gets banged up again, and that's been a common theme here recently, and Dorrance and Dante Fowler don't turn into, you know, at least – close to what you're getting out of Randy Gregory, then that can go south quick. And it's just, we we try to, I don't know, we always say let's not make a strength into a weakness in the matter of one off season. but I feel like they did that in a few areas. But no, I mean, I, I, I definitely can see where this team, you know, can get to 10, 11, maybe even 12 wins. It's it's going to have, like I said, that, that change in philosophy that we keep hearing about, we're just going to have to see it work. And I just, I always think back to those, Thanksgiving games against the Raiders and against the you know those mid-tier teams where it's just always you that that seems to be the turning point every year where we're like is this the year and then Thanksgiving happens and you go crap this team's back where we always get the Raiders last year you know the Broncos game you just go as soon as we feel like we're getting over that hump and this team's like okay they got a chance they run into Denver then they run into Kansas City then they run into Las Vegas and you just go, "Nope, <laughs> same old cowboys, so let's hope we can do that this year <laughs> okay, so
1: Connor, let me ask you this question: Would you rather have Jason Peters and Tyler Smith or Tyron Smith and Connor Williams Tyron Smith and Connor Williams
4: interesting okay interesting are you, you're telling me they're healthy or are you just yeah yeah, yeah assuming yeah. all assuming all four players are healthy yeah. and because, I, I mean, again, like I've said it a lot this offseason, and, and I was not a fan of the Tyler Smith pick at all. I think he looks much better than I think anybody thought he would. I mean, again, in the couple of preseason games you saw him in the training camp, but I think if Tyler Smith plays anything close to what Connor Williams showed you the last year, year and a half, two years, I think you're going to go great first-round pick. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, I think he was that much of a kind of developmental guy coming out of Tulsa where it was – did we just get significantly worse at left guard, and that was a fish, position that wasn't necessarily a strength to begin with? So, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, I, I would ten out of ten times I'd rather take Tyron Smith and Connor Williams than than Ty- and that and that's not a shot at Tyler Smith by any means. It's just, I mean, shoot, we don't even know that they're going to get Jason Peters yet. I know there's right, a lot, right, of, right. There's yeah, a lot of stuff. Just sort of, I'm
1: just sort of, I'm just sort of, yeah, yeah no, I got you. I got you. I, I think, I think, I personally might rather have Jason Peters and and um and Tyler Smith um but uh, yeah i don't know it's a tough one uh so here's the thing for me you know you, you said earlier you think this roster is worse and i was like, i'm not sure that it is and, I, and the reason i say that is i remember an interview several years ago this is this is the guy who was he was the gm of the, of the um the buccaneers back in the days when they drafted like um uh I was like, I, when was the year? When was the year they drafted the quarterback Freeman? He was like their their quarterback for a couple of years, and and they they had a couple of good oh, drafts. I was seven, right? Yeah, somewhere along in there, somewhere along in there, and they had a couple of good drafts in a row. One of the things that Dominic said was the real key is we have to have a good draft this year because it's that third, it's those three drafts in a row where you really build a good young team. And um, I mean, I know we can we can nitpick the, the, some of the, the Cowboys draft yeah. picks, and they're not all great, but they've had. To, in, in my mind three really strong drafts in a row and, and that's the first time i can remember it since the early 90s where they had three in a row like that it's almost like almost every year since then they've had a good one then a bad one then a good one then maybe a couple of good ones you know they've never really been able to put three in a row so this is a team filled with guys who were in their first second and third years and we know that guys in their second third years are the ones who make the biggest leap and we, we're seeing it we're, we're seeing it with guys like bohan and we've already mentioned you know a handful of guys like that but those kind of teams tend, and they're, they're the third youngest team in the league right now. And those, I mean, that's going to change if they sign Jason Peters, but uh, nonetheless, right now, until they, until they sign, they're the third youngest team in the league. And those are the teams that get better as, as the year goes on. And as the year goes on, it's precisely when their schedule gets easier. So I can see them starting one and three and still winning 11 or 12 games. You know, and maybe 12 might be a little tough if they start one and three, but I think this team's going to, if they're going to get better, or if. They're going to, they're going to be good. It's going to, it's because those young guys develop and they get, they get a lot better by the end of the year. And I can see that. I can see a good young team getting, getting, going on a run late, late in the, in the season. Um, as they play some of the patsies, as they, as they return for the second round against their division rivals, et cetera, they were so much better than anybody else in their division last year. Even if the other teams have made up a lot of ground, I just have a hard time imagining that. I mean, they were so much better than the Eagles last year. And, um, they just beat the snot out of them both times they played them, and I yeah the last game I know I know there's a lot of the caveats there, but they were still way way better, and so I know the Eagles have made up a lot of ground, but I I'm still I'm I'm in ai I need to see let, let me see what the Eagles have let me see what the other division teams have because the Cowboys were so significantly better it's I have a hard time imagining that that, that they won't end up winning the division even if they only win ten games, um so I I think I think they I I don't think that they're going to win twelve because I think they could be better and still not win as many because you know winning in the nFL is still luck driven, but I still think that they're the class of the division until i until
4: I see other one so you take we don't talk about it enough either but uh i mean we, I mean, we just we almost kind of gotta lean into the track record too and go we haven't had a repeat winner in the NFC. Yeah, I mean that's definitely. that's part of it just looking at history and going hey I've, yeah what yeah. i mean you know they I, haven't done it in what fifteen years I think it's been the the repeat. yeah
1: i I think all four teams in the division have Front offices that are either inept or inept in one aspect <laughs> significantly enough that they're never able to build that kind of consistent winner.
2: Yeah, yeah, I agree. I think it's the Cowboys' fault, really. That I think that the other teams are just the Cowboys actually have been putting together a pretty good roster from year to year, and I really think that it's it's caused especially New York and Washington to to make some or you know, even Philly, but Philly's been better at it, make some crazy moves, and it turns into you know a nightmare for for most of the time for most of them. Uh, Philly, obviously, you know they've had more success, but I really think that uh, really the Cowboys are kind of have some some uh, part in the division not being so good. You know, it's unfortunate. No question. Oh, it's unfortunate that they they can't repeat <laughs> as division champs when you have a division that's you know not so good. Uh, but I I do think the Cowboys, you know, have a have a little bit of say in that. So they, they
1: they've been the class of the division since 2016. And the fact that they haven't been able to repeat, and the fact that
2: I mean, you know, the Eagles
1: backed into a Super Bowl in 2017. Um, You know, I mean, we can talk about that; it's a whole podcast worth of discussion. But the the fact that they haven't been able to repeat, given given the fact that they've been significantly better year on year than than their rivals, I'm not saying every year. I'm just saying overall is it's um and there's you know there's things that have happened, you know, but it's a it's a testament to those things in the front office that don't work
4: right yeah like you right. said it's it's i think it's frustrating because you can say that one's one team's been the better drafting team than the other three by far one, one team probably has the better talent than the other three for a lot of this stretch but it's just some of the ineptness that we talk about in this front office is the reason that you haven't repeated and yeah. you know I, i'll you know people might make you know egg on me, whatever, all the time because I you know, I do give Philly credit. But one thing I'll give Philly credit for that I wish that this front office did is they'll admit that they've made a mistake and they're going to do something about it. If they're not set up at receiver, they're going to go trade for a guy. If they're not set up at tackle, they're going to go bring a guy in. If they're not set up at quarterback, they're going to trade the guy for first-round picks, draft the guy early, put a team around them that we're going to go. We're going to know for sure in 2022 if Jalen Hurts is our quarterback of the future because we're going to do everything in our power to know that answer by the end of the season and that's just the difference if if they could do that if the Dallas front office could come out and go crap we didn't set this offensive line up good let's go get Jason Peters and let's go bring in another guy that if Terrence Steele isn't the answer at right tackle we feel comfortable that we got we got two guys that we could put in and plug and play and do it and if we feel like dang we screwed this receiver thing up we shouldn't have gotten rid of Amari Cooper we're going to go trade for a you know wide receiver two or three you know just to give us some experience and some some feel good about this position and if they could do that i i would give them so much more credit than i do and i, I think they would set themselves up for more success but they lean into the josh balls a little too long they lean into the Nation rights a little too long they lean into these guys that i don't think deserve the second third fourth fifth chances because they were draft picks, or because they kind of want to stick it to us and go, see, we we told you this guy was good. But I just I think that if they could take some of that Howie Roseman of, hey, I screwed up, let's go fix it. They could they could fix a lot of their their issues, and I think they could repeat as champions and make deeper playoff runs and so on and so forth.
1: I will say I will say that in the days when they did do that a little bit more, when they had a little bit more of an itchy trigger finger. Things were probably worse. <laughs> but, know, I, mean, I mean, I I guess I think one of the things that, that that's actually a test—they're more fun. Yeah, 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 yeah. No question. Um, uh, what was I going to say? I guess yeah. So, I, so, gentlemen, we we need to wrap up. But thanks so much for for jumping on with us. We really appreciate you sharing all your knowledge, and and it was great, great, you know, chopping it up with you all. Before we go, though, please tell tell the people where they can find you and your fine work.
3: Shane, where can people find you, man? Well, hey, all you gotta do is call me but if you want to find me on twitter it's at shane carter tx and you can also find my work at a to z, a to z sports com. i'll be there writing with guys like mauricio rodriguez matthew Lennox, skywalker steel and, and colt patterson you can also check out uh den boys podcast which right now is under hiatus while my producer gets his stuff together but it will be back soon thanks for having me on y'all absolutely that's a that's a pretty that's a pretty fearsome lineup over there at a to z Oh, that's the best staff
4: I've ridden with.
2: Who recognized those Connor, names? Where
4: can, we find, where can we find you, man? Uh, Connor NFL Draft on Twitter. Please don't message me or tweet at me because <laughs> no, it's miserable. Um, no, I'm just kidding. I, I love talking football with people who who just want to talk football and don't want to tell me how stupid I am or how ignorant we are. We, hey, we all got different opinions, and let's talk about them without being stupid. So, yeah, on Twitter there, at podcast with Mark Schofield um on the blogging and boys podcast network. Um, we've been doing it since draft really. We started up right before draft, went through draft season and really excited to carry that into the season with him. He's a Patriots fan and has no tie to being a Cowboys fan, no tie to being Cowboys related at all. Um so I think it's it's a unique show because you got me who's, you know, pessimistic most of the time but also biased towards players that I like and the team in general. So I like to have him there to go. Hey, this is what I'm seeing, you know, outside of the Cowboys lens and that's something that I don't think we get a lot in, in Cowboys country. We get a lot of we got a lot of pessimistic people, a lot of optimistic people and sometimes guys who we need sitting in the middle to go, both of you are wrong. This is how it looks like. So, we're we're excited to get the season underway and and have some outside uh outside experience and outside uh lenses coming in and looking in on the team. Yeah.
2: Hey, Connor, did is is Mark going to be doing the DAC watch again this year? Cause- um,
4: um, I don't know. We're I don't know. We're, we we might we've talked about doing that um in podcast form in each episode that we do. So him just breaking like you know doing a ten minute segment on him breaking down what he saw from Dak's performance each week and um maybe I don't know. We've been bouncing it off if we're still going to do a video form fashion or if he's just going to talk about it on the show for ten fifteen minutes each show. Uh, have a segment for it, but he'll definitely have some say in in that for sure because he's. He's one of the better quarterback minds on online and around, so he, he he has a lot of good information and can learn a lot from him for sure. Yeah, those
2: videos, those breakdowns were, you know, they're they're very they're outstanding last year. I really can help put things in perspective, like what's going on, and you get a, a real honest assessment of Dak's performance. And so, I, absolutely, I really look forward to, to, to watching those.
4: Yeah, we talked about on our closed our show with it last week. He was like, if this team wins the division and they win a playoff game. He's like, you know, and the quarterback plays relatively well. He's like, there's there's your MVP because he, he thinks – he's kind of with me on it. He's just like, on paper, his team don't have a whole lot of business even being considered, you know, a quote-unquote playoff contender right now. So so maybe we can get a Dak Prescott MVP season in our in our back pocket if, if all else fails.
2: <laughs> That'd be nice. Yeah. Uh, well, thanks, guys. Hi, gentlemen,
4: thanks so much for
1: jumping on with us. Yeah, I really appreciate Great it. Great
2: talking football with you guys. Definitely know your stuff. Yeah, thank
1: for you sure. all. Well, I thought it was going to be great talking to those guys, and in fact, it was great talking to those guys.
2: Did you did you enjoy the conversation? I did, honestly. I mean, I just like talking with cowboy savvy people, and you know, you know, we, we talk on Twitter all the time, and uh, definitely they know their stuff. They stay real in tune with what's going on, and it's just always it's always great to, to every time we, you know, like you said, we've we've had Connor on before. He definitely knows the stuff he spends countless hours you know evaluating when it comes draft time stuff so it's Mm -hmm. when anytime you know you can learn from from other people and you know shane just very in tune with everything and uh, i you know i don't very few assessments of that he's made on twitter that i have not agreed with so definitely for sure i uh, uh yeah those guys were were fun um but that is all we have for today if you haven't yet please do subscribe to the blogging voice podcast network Leave us a rating, write a review, wherever you get your podcast, Apple, Spotify, iTunes. Tell us what you think. Anything you would like us to do differently to improve your podcast listening experience. And if you ever want to talk to us about anything at all, any roster decisions that you don't agree with, you know, how you think the Cowboys are going to do this year, or what is something that you do, you know, tech-wise that's, you know, maybe a little bit a little bit askew. Hit us up on Twitter. I'm at DannyFantom24. And at rubble Rouser, spelled R-A-B-B-L-E-R-O-U-S-R. And don't forget to check out all the great podcasts throughout the entire week. Every day we got something new for you. Tomorrow we'll have the World's Team with Meg Murray and Paul Stewart. So make sure to check that out. And next week we're going to kick off our first ever game preview. So uh, stay tuned, you know, for next Friday to see what we got going on there as we uh, walk into the Tampa Bay game. But that's all we have for today. Thanks for hanging out with us. Hope you have a great weekend. Stay safe, stay happy, stay true to the silver and blue, and we will catch you later. Go to the bookstore and buy your books, students.
0: Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. we got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work